Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Ramadan Mubarak to you and yours. This Ramadan, as we all gather to share a meal with our loved ones, we need to remember those in Gaza who are also gathering to share a meal with so many who aren't there that were just there a year ago. Since October the 7th, the Human Development Fund has assisted over 200,000 people in Gaza, providing them with essential aid, such as food baskets, water, hot meals, winter items, shelter, hygiene kits, and baby formula. Your generous contributions are making a significant impact, especially in Rafah. Let's sustain this momentum and continue providing crucial support during this sacred and blessed month. Please visit hdfund.org slash qalam. That's hdfund.org slash qalam, Q-A-L-A-M, to learn more about our global reach this Ramadan and choose where you'd like to direct your support during this blessed month. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this month a time of mercy, solace, acceptance, and triumph for the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And may Allah continue to use all of us as a means and never replace us. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum. This is Abdurrahman Murphy, and you are listening to Heartwork, the Virtues of Good Friendship, taken from Imam al-Ghazali's Ihya ulum al-Din, the revival of the religious sciences. In this series, we read and explore the eight characteristics that Imam al-Ghazali has outlined as the foundation of being a virtuous friend. He builds off of verses in the Quran, hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, and stories of the righteous from our tradition, and we try to apply them in the context of contemporary real-life examples. At Roots, we have daily offerings for the community across a variety of demographics, focusing on social and spiritual growth. Your contribution helps us grow and allows us to provide more for you and your family and friends. Become a monthly sustainer at rootsdfw.org slash sustain, and please honor us with a visit to Dallas, Texas. Welcome home. All righty. Welcome home, everybody. It's good to have you. Alhamdulillah. Sorry for the delay. Sorry, we've had a few things to get started, inshallah. Can everyone hear me okay? Okay, the audio is good. All right, we want to make sure that everything's good. Yeah, if you can, inshallah, move up as much as possible to create space, inshallah, especially those of you who are sitting on the ground. I know those of you who are on chairs, it's fine. Just kind of stay where you are. For those of you who are sitting on the ground, if you can just create space. We have some people who are standing in the back, inshallah, uh, just to kind of create space for as much as possible. Bidnillah. Okay. Um, Alrighty. So we are on um, the final. Oh, we didn't have class last week. Uh, I was ready, by the way. Even though I had my surgery, I was ready. Um, so make, make do. I'm very, oh, to answer everyone's question, I'm doing okay. Everyone's asking, how's your leg? How's your leg? Uh, initially, I'm like, it's really good. From that. Now I'm like, it's still there. You know, so, and I really appreciate everyone's concern and du'as. Uh, you know, it's just one of those processes that you have to go through after you have ACL surgery. So I'm just going through rehab, alhamdulillah. Just make du'a for, uh, you know, recovery. Pray for me and pray for the, the, the doctor who did the surgery. And... Um, you know, for the PT, physical therapist who's working on me, and my wife, who's incredibly patient, and my kids, who ask me every day, which knee is it? <laughs> they want to they sit on my, you know, they're, they're worried. So, uh, alhamdulillah. All right, let's talk about the last of these. And it's interesting, it's crazy, because 
in my own in my own experience like getting this medical procedure this surgery has changed now my understanding of friendship you know it's like it's enhanced my understanding this whole class that we've been doing is about friendship and um, one of the beauties of trial and, and one of the beauties of, of tragedy and crisis and trial is when you go through it, you start to see who people really are. Um, and that's a good thing. You know, many of you probably heard today of the, of the, the earthquakes that happened in, in Turkey and Syria. May Allah Ta'ala help them. You know, over 3,000 people, probably many more who have, who have passed. Um, and it's, it's been tragic to see and go through social media and see the pictures and the numbers. But I did see one thing that was incredible, which is the Istanbul airport is full of people who have booked flights to go and fly down to the area near Gaziantep and to go and help with relief. I mean full, like it looks like, you know, Hajj travel season. And so that video, even though amidst, amongst tragedy, like amidst like crisis, one of the crazy things about this world is that in the difficult of times, in the most hard of times, you see the most beautiful things, right? Like they say like a rose that rose from, or a rose that came from the concrete, like you see this incredible spirit of humanity so whether it's like you're sick and like some friends call you and check up on you or like they send you food or people notice you weren't there today at work and so they text you in that difficulty you experience beauty right um and so this is one of the cool things that we learn right all these these trades and now we're on the last one the last one is it's relief and the best way to understand this is that your presence the eighth responsibility of any friend is that your presence brings comfort into the life of the people that you are a part of their lives. Your presence, your existence. So your friendship and your companionship doesn't cause distress or difficulty. In fact, it's something that brings them a sense of ease and relief, right? It's a breath of fresh air. It's, a, it's an exhalation. And so he says, you should not discomfort your brother or sister with things that are awkward for him. Remember, he mentioned earlier not to ask your friends questions that could put them in tough situations. So if you see your friends somewhere that you don't expect to see them, imagine having like a court date and seeing your friend there. Like, what are you here for? Right? You're just there for like a speeding ticket or something. But you don't know why they're there. And court is a really bad place to ask somebody what they're doing. Because it could be like a, a variety of things. Okay? What are you doing here? Right? Or asking them questions that put them in a situation. And Imam Ghazali says... Don't make your friends have to make the choice to lie to you, right? Be one step ahead. You guys ever played chess? Be one move ahead. Understand that if I ask this question of this person, I might put them in like a really, really tough spot. And so I got to be one step ahead. Abu Hanifa, the very famous story, right? Where he was so disappointed in himself because he wasn't one step ahead. His neighbor came and asked him for some money because he was on hard times, on tough times. And Abu Hanifa cried and said, I should have been one step ahead. I should have noticed that there wasn't any smoke coming from your chimney, which means there's no cooking happening. I should have noticed that you were struggling. I should have noticed this. He was disappointed in himself, not in, not in his neighbor. Oh, why are, you making me, why are you making me feel guilty, this and that? No, he was disappointed in himself. How could I have not noticed that you needed help, right? So always being one step ahead. So part of that skill set is that when somebody can be one step ahead, they don't discomfort their brother or sister with things that make uh, it awkward for them, right? You guys, I'm sure, have heard, uh, you know, the story, the many stories in our community when a couple gets married, what's the next question they get asked? Where are the kids? 
right? And, and, and this question is, a, it, first of all, it's like deeply personal, right? There could be a variety of reasons why there are no children yet in this relationship. Guess what? None of them are your business. Like none of them, right? Or if somebody's not married, when's your turn? What? Like, it's such an uncomfortable thing to ask, right? So don't ever put yourself, or if somebody, you know, someone's career, have you found a job yet? Yeah, some people wake up asking themselves the same question. So don't be the person that puts that bitter, that bitter taste in their heart, right? Don't be discomforting to them. Don't be awkward for them. Rather, you should ease their heart of its cares and needs. So your job as a friend is to be somebody that when you see your friend doing something, like you help them carry the bag that they're carrying. Okay, and now this is figurative too. This is metaphorical as well. There are some people in your life that you know that something's wrong, and at that point, your job is not to like uncover it. Your job is to be there for them and let them need you in whatever way they need. They need. We talked about this last week a little bit, right? Being emotionally intelligent, Sheikh Mikhail's book, With the Heart and Mind. Being emotionally intelligent, knowing what questions to ask, knowing what things to say. You know, if somebody just lost somebody that they loved, if there was like a death in the family, you know, rushing the grieving process is not comforting for them. It's okay. You'll get over it. I had someone tell me that the day after I had knee surgery. Like, I can't bend my leg and they're like, you'll be fine. I'm like, you'll be fine, right? Like, I don't know what to say back to that. Like, you don't tell someone who has a nine-month outlook for their recovery, you'll be fine. And then walk away, flaunting your healthy ACLs in front of me. Right? You walk, you know, crouch down to pick up something. Your butt is touching the floor and your knees are pointing to the sky. You're lucky I don't have envy, right? Sounds like I do, right? So just being smart, I'm, I'm joking about that, but being smart about knowing what to say, what not to say. If someone's, if someone's struggling, if they're worried, I don't know, you know, layoffs are happening. SubhanAllah, may Allah protect us. May God give us barakah and blessing in our provision. Layoffs are happening. Someone's worried about layoffs, don't, you'll be okay. That, you know what? If it was that simple, they would, probably wouldn't be venting to you about it. They probably wouldn't be concerned if it was that simple. What can you say? What can you do? Well, ask yourself, what brings comfort to them? I'm praying for you. I'm pray- if you need to talk, I'm here. We try to rush to the solution because we want to we wrap up the discomfort so quickly. Oh, you're going through this? Uh, it'll be okay. Like, just slap a band-aid on it. You'll be fine. Sometimes you just say, look, I know you're going through something. I'm here for you. If you need anything, just call me. I'll, be, I'll do my best to be, and I'm making dua for you. I'm praying that Allah takes care of you and gives you what you need. What, what a beautiful way to not dismiss the, the fear but to let them know that you're there for them, right? This is what our religion teaches us. This is what the Prophet ﷺ taught us. This is his behavior with people. He never, he never shut them up. He never told them, be quiet, it'll be fine. And he was a prophet. He could have said, like, you think you have problems? He could have said that. But instead he said, look, I'm going to remember you in my du'as, my prayers, okay? So taking on people's burdens. You should not ask those people for help with money or influence, you should not discomfort them with having to be polite to go into your situation and attend to your rights. What's he saying here? He just got done with like a whole book talking about you should do this, you should do that, you should give your wealth, you should pay for lunch, you should give rides, you should offer rides, drop off people. He just got done writing a whole book and now he's saying, but don't you dare ask for this yourself. 
And he's teaching us in that moment. There was even some people afterwards that came and they asked, they were like, wait a minute. Didn't he just get done telling us we all should do this and now he's saying you shouldn't ask for that? What's he saying here? He's saying you should be a friend that doesn't take but one that gives. You, you, you're more concerned about what you provide to the relationship than what you're getting from it. And across every relationship, across marriage, across friendships, business relationships, when people are more concerned about their responsibilities than their rights, they're successful. But when people become obsessed with this is my right, this is my right, this is my right, and they're not concerned about taking care of their responsibilities, things start to crumble right before their eyes. So ask yourself, when the relationships are struggling, ask yourself, am I more concerned about taking care of them or being taken care of? And human beings are very peculiar, right? We almost respond to the opposite. If, if, if I demand to be taken care of, I'll find that nobody's interested in doing that. But if I prioritize taking care of people, then I will find more people to take care of me than I can count. Because when they think of who you are, or who I am in this scenario, when they think of you, they'll think, this person has always been there for me, has never asked for anything in return. Not once. They deserve my care. They deserve my time. They deserve it. But he says the number one way to ruin that good faith between relationships is to expect that people should take care of you. Think of how many times you've been hurt. Your feelings have been hurt about certain things. A lot of those hurt feelings come from lofty expectations that were misguided, right? Why didn't they invite me? Why didn't they call me? Why didn't they do this? Sometimes you might have a point in certain scenarios, very concessionarily, okay? But generally, the disappointment and the pain that we might feel, we have to ask ourselves, am I right in even assuming that I deserve this, right? Maybe they themselves were going through something else. Maybe they invited this person for coffee because they had something very intimate to talk about, and I'm not part of that, right? You guys ever been not invited to a group that, or to a thing that your friends were having, right? And you're like, everyone's nodding right now, wow, right? You got a lot of tea to spill after this, right? Don't know if we got enough chai for this drama. It happens, and that's where shaitan, that's where, that's where shaitan will plant those seeds of doubt, and you'll start to look at your friends and you'll say, you're the one who left me out. You're the one who did this. When our religion teaches us that our response in those scenarios should be what? They have a good reason. They have more than enough of a reason to not call me for every single thing that they do. Okay? Don't force people to have to bear with you formally. Alright? To go into your situation and attend your rights. No, the sole object of your love should be Allah. Meaning that in every scenario when you do something nice for somebody, don't become transactional. Don't start to keep score. Relationships are not about keeping score. Okay? He says that being blessed by your brother's prayer or your sister's prayer. What do you seek from them? What reward do you want from them? All you want is that when they're sitting there and they're praying for you. That's all you want. No gift that a person can give you, no reciprocal invitation, can be more worth, of more value no gift can be of more value than somebody remembering you when they are remembering themselves in prayer. Like all of a sudden your name comes to their heart when they're sitting there in that intimate relationship and conversation with God. Enjoying their company, receiving assistance from them in your religion, drawing near to God through attending to their rights and bearing some provision. Let's go ahead and go through some of these quotes that are amazing. Someone once said, 
the person who demands of their brother or sister what they do not demand wrongs them. Okay? So the person who demands from others what they themselves do not reciprocate, sorry, wrongs them. The person who demands the same as they demand wearies them. So now there's three stages of relationship, and the person who makes no demands is the ultimate benefactor. So think of your relationships. Do you expect of your friends more than you would do for them? Do I expect that my friends will do more for me than I would do for them? You know one way to check this out, by the way? Ask yourself when your friends are like doing you favors or like helping you out or whatever. Ask yourself, like, would I do this for them in this situation? Anyone here ever been in a tough bind? Your Uber was running late, you got a flat tire, something. And you call your friend and they pick you up. And then subhanAllah, and I promise you this happens. I promise you to God that Allah will test you immediately after you receive some provision or blessing. Allah will test you to see what you're going to do if you receive the same situation. He's going to do it. So you better be, number one, you better be observant and aware that this is happening. You ask someone for a favor, they do it. I guarantee you in the short term future, you are going to be sought out for a similar thing. And you have to decide, are you too busy or lazy? Is it your day off, right? How many of you have ever asked for someone to help you move before? Everyone knows it's coming. Before you raise your hand, you're like, did I ever help someone move? Because I can't raise my hand right now if I did. You did, right? We expect people to help us move. You call your friends, you feed them some like Little Caesars hot and ready $5 pizza, and all is good, right? Like that, like, even, right? You worked for 12 hours lifting dressers that my parents have kept for 30 years, and now you have this cardboard with cheese and sauce on it, and we're all happy. And subhanAllah, that's like the, the, the ultimate test of friendship. Hey, I'm moving. Who can help? I'm moving apartments. Who's free? All of a sudden, you see how busy people are on Saturday mornings. You haven't run a single day in your life, but all of a sudden, you're part of Dallas Muslim Run Club. <laughs> like, you, have, you, have, you don't even own running shoes. You're part of, like, the Barefoot Club, right? You want to synthesize with the earth and take in sunshine. And, but I got to go run with the Run Club, man. I'm sorry. When it's your turn to move, they help. But when it's their turn to ask for you, you all, we find excuses. That's what he's saying here. He says, if you expect of your brothers and sisters what you don't do for them, you expect it, but you don't do it for them, he said, you're wronging the people around you. You're actually oppressing people. Okay? Now, the next level, okay? Twin boys wearing the same thobe is the most cute thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay? Mashallah, protect them, inshallah. They have no idea. Okay? Then the one who keeps their relationships equal, right? You covered me for dinner, I'll get you back. You, you got me this time, I'll get you back. You do this time, you paid for coffee, I'll get you next time. Then he says, that's better, but what is the verb he uses? It wearies them. It's tiring. Keeping score is tiring. It drains you, it's exhausting. No relationship can, can be long-term like this. The only people you keep score with are people that you're not really close with. Because the people you're close with, you don't have to keep score with. It doesn't matter. The reward is not being reciprocated. The reward is the pleasure that you get in taking care of them. Then he says, the one who makes no demands is the ultimate benefactor, the friend. So ask yourself, which one, with your close friends, which one of these three are you? Okay? Another person says, uh, it's the same statement, so we'll keep going, inshallah. Complete relief means rolling up the carpet of discomfort until they feel no more embarrassment from you than of themselves. 
So one standard, one way to measure yourself is when your friends are embarrassed, when they're in a very difficult situation, can your friends be vulnerable to you? How open can they be with you? Can they, can they honestly open up? Can they tell you that they're struggling with something? We talked about this a few chapters ago. One of the signs that two friends are very close is that even in the midst of somebody's greatest difficulties, the brother or the sister doesn't say that I don't like you anymore. They say, you know what, I'm with you through this. And many people are afraid to struggle because they're afraid to be alone. But if we knew that we wouldn't be abandoned, I feel like we would be more willing to be open about our struggles. We're not afraid of struggling, we're afraid of abandonment. We want to know that the village is not going to leave us behind if we tell them the things that we're struggling with, right? And there's actually this concept in, in, in counseling, in mental health, called universality. And universality is one of the most powerful things you can establish in a community. You know what it means, universality? It means that you know you're not alone in your weakness. When you know you're not alone in your weakness, watch this. How many of you in the past three months have missed Fedger? Okay, this is not a fatwa. Everyone's like, all right. You know, the Dallas, Dallas no Fedger club, right? Snooze, the snoozers, okay? How many of you have gotten into an argument with a family member or a friend or a relative that you love? A bad one, bad argument. Okay. How many of you went through the silent treatment at the hands of somebody that you love? They didn't talk to you for a while. You see these hands? And a lot of you aren't raising your hands because you don't want to establish universality. You think you're alone. When you're going through that, you think you're alone. You're like, no one else has gone through this. No one else's siblings haven't spoken to them. No one else's parents haven't talked to them. No one else's spouse, right? Has the, that's why one of the most therapeutic things when you get along, when you get with people and you start talking about what's going on and they say, oh, that happened to me too. Oh, I'm going through that as well. All of a sudden you see this light shine in the person's eye. Really? Wait, you're going through that as well? Okay. So not feeling embarrassed, equating the relationship, equating the experiences. As Janae said, if two brothers became brothers for the sake of God, and one of them is uncomfortable, then there must be a fault in one of them. Our job is to make each other so comfortable that the person doesn't feel ashamed if they have something that they feel vulnerable or weak about in front of us. Okay, Ali radiallahu anhu said, the worst of friends is the one who discomforts you and obliges you to be polite and to have to make recourse to making apologies. The worst of friends is the one who, in their presence makes you feel like you have to watch every single step, right? Watch every single moment, watch every single word. Like you're on, you're on edge, you're walking on glass. You gotta be careful. And Fuldela, he said, discomfort is the cause of broken relations. A person visits their brother or sister and is made to feel uncomfortable and consequently breaks with them. Some people ask themselves, maybe I have trouble keeping friends long-term. Right? And typically when you have this in your life, you start to blame other people. It's everybody else, right? And they jump from friends group to friends group to friends group. Or they lose old friends. Part of the reason might be because I'm not a very good person at making people feel comfortable. Comfort, by the way, doesn't mean informal. It doesn't mean that the person walks over, comes to your house, and you're just laying down on the floor, like, like body stretched all kinds of ways. Comfort means that you read the situation and you react appropriately to the person. You, make the per you let them dictate what's comfortable for them. If the comfort for them is that you're sitting 
at a distance and you're chatting, that's fine. If the comfort for them is that you're sitting next to each other and you're looking at something together, then that's fine. Being able to read the situation, read between the lines, understand, read the room. We talked about this last week. If the person's struggling looking for work, don't talk about how great your job is. That's uncomfortable. If the person's struggling to get married, don't talk about how wonderful your honeymoon was. It's uncomfortable, right? Being able to understand where this person is. Being the formal, being the person that causes its formality, it breaks relationships. As Junaid says, I have known fellowship of four classes. He's basically saying, I've known, I've been friends with these four legends. Okay, and he mentions these names. He said that if ever two people became brothers, like tight, good friends, and all of a sudden they started to become very shy and embarrassed in front of each other, he said, it means that one of them had a flaw in character. They weren't true with each other. So step number one in this informality is making sure that your presence doesn't cause the person to feel uncomfortable. Okay, read the room, understand what's going on in their life. Listen more than you talk. Observe, figure things out. And don't be the person that is so obsessed with your own situation that you're not able to synthesize the information that they're giving you, even by their body language. Even by their body language, okay? He says, whom should we take as our fellow? The person was asked, who should we take as our friend? The one who will lift off you the heaviness of discomfort and drop between you the load of formality. Be the one that when you walk in the room, the person can relieve. They can take a, like a sigh and exhale. Ja'far, Imam Muhammad al-Sadiq, he said, the heaviest of my brothers is the one who discomforts me and with whom I must observe formality. The lightest on my heart is the one whom I can be as I would be on my own. Okay, so we got the point now he's mentioning here, okay? Uh, this statement's interesting. One of the Sufis, he said that, this person's spirituality, he said, do not be close with anyone unless piety will not increase their respect for you and sin will not diminish it. The merit or demerit should be yours while their regard for you is the same. You know what this is talking about? Let me explain. This is kind of confusing. What he's saying here is, don't be friends who constantly make you have to prove your worth to them. There are some people that will hold you to a grading scale in your friendship. If you don't do certain things, right? You guys see Mean Girls? I haven't. It's Haram. No, I'm joking, right? We all have, but, you know, those days. Anyway, mean Girls, right? Mean Girls has a lot of interesting concepts in there, right? Okay? You can't sit with us. There are relationships and friendships where the relationship is predicated upon like a score. Okay? There was an episode of Black Mirror that was like this where they have like these, the social media scores. Think about the things that we rate people on. And we rate them on different things, but we have to catch ourselves. Sometimes we rate them on education. Are all of your same friends in the same education, educated class? Are all of your same friends in the same earning? Are all of your same friends in the same, do you all buy the same genre of brands and clothes? Do we shop at the outlet malls or North Park? Where do we go, right? If, if I'm finding a lot of uniformity in these categories of my friendships, then I might unknowingly have these standards that I've set up for my friendships. And this is a problem. The Prophet ﷺ was friends with everybody. He would take friends that were millionaires, if you accounted for inflation, which is, you know, he, would he had friends that were billionaires, right? They owned property for days. And then he had friends that were, you know, for all intents and purposes, living in the masjid without any place to live, without no place to be. 
This is, these are the friends of the Prophet Sallallahu Alright, our friendships should not be ones that are based on certain levels of merit. Alright, does this person have this many followers on Instagram? Do they have the blue check or not? Right? These are all dumb questions. So, do not be friends with people that make you have to earn their friendship. And that if you make one slip, if you have one mistake, if something goes wrong, now all of a sudden you can't be friends with them. I actually got a message that really hurt me. The message was that somebody is basically imploding in all of their relationships where they live. I don't know where they live. And they said they were using this class as a reason to do it. They said they were listening to hard work and this guy Murphy said, don't be friends with anybody if they're not as religious as you. And I was like, you, you apparently you're not listening, right? You're listening on 2X. That's the problem. You're skipping all the, the actual stuff that I'm saying, right? This, how, he's saying this. He's saying that you don't have that right to hold people to that standard, Okay. We have, of course, a threshold of morality. We have a threshold of basic decency, social etiquette. Sure, you don't have to be friends with somebody that's committing crime and putting you in danger and affecting your moral state. That's different. But we're talking about once a person has transcended the basic principles of social etiquette, don't be a person that makes people have to earn a spot in your life. Okay? And then he said another characteristic, which is beautiful. He said that, seek fellowship only with the person who will do three things. Number one, when you commit the mistake, they'll repent for you. When you make a mistake, they'll repent for you. They'll seek repentance from Allah on your behalf. Number two, he said that, they'll apologize for you if you do wrong. So if you ever wrong somebody and then you left the room, your friend would step up and go to the person and say, I know that they didn't mean that. They're, they're having a really bad day. They're in, a, they're in a rough spot. This week's been bad for them. They'll apologize for you. And the third is that they would bear your burden and take care of it as if it were their own. Right? I've seen this so many times beautifully. Even here after Roots sometimes. Every week after Roots, we're basically becoming a used car dealership. Everyone leaves their keys. Someone leaves a set of keys here. Okay? And depending on the, the, the brand of car... No, I'm joking, right? <laughs> No, but we're becoming, you know, it's becoming kind of a running joke amongst the team, basically, which is like, we'll finish cleaning, and then we're like, well, we have to wait until this person, because they're obviously, they're not going to get very far, right? <laughs> but I've always noticed one thing, and I think it's very beautiful, and that is that regardless the person, regardless whether they're male or female, regardless, they're never alone. They're never alone. So it was their car that they can't get into, but they have three, four, five friends that are with them. Why? It's not their problem. It's a Monday night. They got work tomorrow. They got, I mean, we got places, they might even have to go back to Denton, right? <laughs> Where they're landing planes upside down, apparently. Okay? Denton's a rough spot, y'all. Be careful, okay? Not after dark. No Denton after dark. That should be a t-shirt. Okay? These people, it's, it, it like lights a, everyone's explained to their friends what I mean. I just hate on Denton a lot, Okay? These people are with them, keeping them company, even though it's not their problem. But you know what? If I told them that, if I went to the girls who were like, or the guys who were with the person who lost it, I said, it's not your problem, just go. They would say, what are you talking about? I would look like the weirdo. I would look like the strange one. How could you ever suggest that I don't take this person's problem like my own? Right? Beautiful traits. This is what our, our religion teaches us. We don't leave people out to dry. We don't let people be by themselves. We bear with them even if it causes us discomfort, even if it makes us feel uncomfortable, even if it drags our day on, even if Dave's is going to close.
right? <laughs> All the guys really felt that one. They're like, yeah, he knew, right? Even if Dave's is closing, right? You still wait until that person finds their keys or their wallet or their phone or whatever it is, even though it's not yours. Because that's your friend and you don't make them bear with their own burdens by themselves. Okay? All right, here we go. You guys ready for this? This is a heavy one. A man said to Al-Junaid, he was complaining, right? You can almost hear the, the, the self, uh, what's, the, what's the phrase? The self sort of piety, the self-righteousness in his voice. Brothers are scarce in these times. It's hard to find good friends. Where can I find a brother for the sake of God? Like, where can I find a good friend? This is like a very common statement by people that are trying to get better themselves, but instead of getting better humbly, they get better arrogantly. Where is that? Why? No one's as religious enough to be a good friend of mine. So Al-Junaid made him repeat this statement three times. He's like, wait, what, what's your problem again? And he says, there's no one I can be friends with. No one's good enough. No, one's, no one takes care of me. No one this and that. Where he complains. So Al-Junaid is just confirming. Are you really that clueless? Say it one more time. So he said it three times. He said, if you want a brother, I'm going to zoom in on this, guys. He said, if you want a brother to provide for you and bear your burden by my life, those people are few and far between. Don't expect it. That's your first mistake. Your first mistake was walking around thinking that you were someone worth being taken care of. Why is no one carrying me? Right? Or are you my daughter, Iman? All right, Baba carrying me. You know what she says? My legs don't work. I was like, that's, that's inappropriate right now. <laughs> that is not a joke you can make right now, okay? Because some of us, I start crying. Our leg actually doesn't work. Okay? <laughs> okay? But he says, if you want a brother for the sake of God, whose burden you will carry and whose pain you will bear, then I have a lot of people I can introduce you to. And what he's saying there, if you read between the lines, is he's saying that if you want good friends, you have to be a good friend. So many of us demand friendship without displaying friendship. And that's the problem. That's the paradox. He says, if you're going to walk around expecting people to take care of you, he's like, I don't know, man. You're going to be lost for a long time. Why don't you go around in your life in the spirit of the Prophet Wasallam? Did, did you ever read a hadith of the Prophet Wasallam where he just wakes up one day and he's like, someone else do this. Someone else take care of everybody. Someone else, do this. Someone else go teach. Someone else go talk to Abu, Abu Jahl. Abu so, I don't want to do this anymore. No. The Prophet Wasallam had no days off. He had no days off. And that's, that's the role model. That's the teacher that we have. Be a person that when you see somebody, ask yourself, how can I make this person's day better? Their life better today? What can I do? I did an experiment this morning. I sent three text messages to three of my friends saying, I love you. I'm sorry, by the way, if you, any of you are my friends, you didn't get this message this morning, right? <laughs> You're coming up soon, inshallah, okay? I have a cue. Uh, I said, I love you, and I really appreciate you, and I hope you have a good week. It's like the most hallmark, generic, lame text message ever, right? ChatGPT could have written that for me, okay? And it, was, it took me like 12 seconds, okay? I really appreciate you. You know, mashallah, you always look out for me. You know, thank you, and I hope you have a good week, inshallah. That's it. The responses I get back, mine was like a little blue bubble, like this big. The responses I got back, I'm not lying. Do you guys know when the responses had the three dots? It was like almost there. It was like pages. People were like, I needed this. I've been having such a bad week. 
like I, you know, I, I was worried about starting and this and that, and they were like basically opening up, and I was like, I did not anticipate this response, because I had to go, I had, I had a lot of errands to run, but they were opening up. What does that show you? If, if we refuse to be there for people, we are allowing people to walk around like pressure cookers, carrying all this burden inside of them, not, not being a person that's asking them like, hey, we're here for you. And then you simply make one phrase, one statement to somebody, how can I make this person's day better, their life better today? You really mean a lot to me. I appreciate this relationship. I appreciate this friendship. And then all of a sudden now they open up and guess what happens? You're going to be on the receiving end of that very soon as well. This is what he's talking about. Don't be concerned about how you can be the recipient. Be concerned with how you can give. The receiving will happen. That will happen on its own. The man was silent. The man was silent because that was something he couldn't bear to hear, right? He couldn't deal with that, that reality, okay? Know that there are three kinds of people. A person from whose fellowship you can benefit, a person who you can benefit and by whom you will not be hurt, though you cannot benefit from them, and a person whom you cannot benefit from and you will be hurt, namely the fool or the man of evil character, okay? So there's three kinds of people. Number one is the person that you can take benefit from that relationship. They make you a better person. And you can't be this person unless you admit that there are people better than you. You know, it's easy to dog on your friends and it's easy to look down on them. It's really easy because you're too comfortable. But be the person that looks at your friends and finds something admirable about them. There is an entire treasure chest of beautiful characteristics that you have in your life right now, but you refuse to acknowledge it because you're close with them. But you could look at these people, and instead of picking out one flaw or something about them that's, you know, whatever, humorous, you could look at the 99 things about them that are actually incredible. Their work ethic, their character, their kindness, their generosity, their hospitality, all these things. But we ignore that. Why? Oh, because I went to school with them. I know that guy, man. I know. We go way back, right? Who cares if you go way back? You could benefit, but just by observing, Right? So don't feel like there's no one in your life that you can learn from. Allah has given you so many people in your life that you can absolutely learn from. They're called your friends. Right? Be willing to learn from them. Number one, you can benefit from them and they will not hurt you. Though you cannot benefit from them. Okay? A man whom you cannot benefit from by whom you will be hurt, namely the fool or man of evil character. So the second person is the one who won't benefit you, but you can benefit them. And that's also a job that we all have. You received... Some good from somebody, you were on the receiving end, now it's your turn to teach somebody else. Okay, someone was patient with you. Has anyone ever been patient with you before? Yeah? You know, it's, it, it's, it's crazy, but like, when you become a parent, you start to realize this, how patient your parents were with you. And then you look at your kids and you're like, wow. You know, some of us are like, my parents would have smacked me by now. But you look at your kids and you're like, subhanAllah, like, this is the annoyance and disturbance and lack of focus that I caused my dad or my mom and they were patient with me. Or you have a friend. I always love, like I said, I always love when I meet friends that are at different milestones in life. The unmarried guys that talk about how they're going to be when they're married. My favorite genre on, on TikTok right now. My favorite genre, single guys giving marriage advice. Well, lie, I just pull up and I'm like, this is so good. Okay, next favorite genre, married people with no kids giving parenting advice. Love it. 
I swear. Like, I, I, I airplay it to my TV and watch it on the big screen. It's that good, okay? All right? So, it's easy. I'm actually doing the opposite of what the book's saying. You're not supposed to make fun of these people, okay? <laughs> but they're anonymous, so that's okay, right? It's our job, just like we were made to get right, to help others get right. You've eaten a lot of your words in your life. You know what that means? Let me give you an example. My kids will never watch screens. All right? Your kid had your iPhone in the maternity ward before they even opened their eyes, right? But before you had a kid, you were so, you were so, no. Homemade food, whole foods, whole paycheck, right? Whole foods, self, no screens, blah, 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 blah. And then you have kids and all of a sudden now you're eating your words. You know what that phrase means? It's like, mmm. You got nothing to eat but all your lies that you told the world because you spoke too soon, okay? And the people around you in that moment, you start to think about all the people you spoke about, right? All, all the married people you gave marriage advice to while you, were, while you were, you know, still looking on Minder. And you gave them advice like, oh, yeah, no, he's not, he's not, no, she's not. Bro, you don't know anything, right? I'm sorry, with all due respect. So... In that moment, instead of discarding those people, let's say now you become the, mar the married person. Let's say now you, you've gotten yourself a full-time job. Let's say whatever it is, you've reached that milestone. Don't leave those people behind. Just like you were the recipient of someone's mercy and their patience, you also have to be now the one who passes it on. Pass on that, that mercy and that patience to somebody else. You're sitting there with a group of people that talk and they have no idea what they're talking about. You can be silent for a bit. You can, and when it's your turn to share, even something as simple as, I don't know if that's how it is. That's usually my line. I'm sitting with a bunch of single dudes and they're talking about what kind of husbands they're going to be and I go, I don't know if that's how it is. And if anyone's smart, they're like, he's been married for a long time. That's not how it is. Right? This, is our, this is my 15th year of being married, alhamdulillah. Right? We got married early. We got married in college. And when I sit with single guys and I tell them, I don't think that's how it is, they're like, how is it, right? <laughs> they start to become the student. But if, we, if we're too busy discarding everybody and not passing on the mercy we received, we're gonna, have a lot of, uh, we're gonna have a lot of negativity in our wake, subhanAllah, okay? So you benefit from people, then you benefit other people, and then there's a third kind of relationship which has no benefit for anybody, right? The fool or the man of evil character, okay? The third person you should avoid. As for the second, do not shun them. Don't push away somebody who needs some help. For you will benefit in the other world by their intercession and prayers. The person that you were patient with, what are they going to do for you when they realize how dumb they were? Because you realize how dumb you were, what would you do? You prayed for that person. You're like, God bless that. You know they say in the South? Bless her heart, right? <laughs> so you pray for that person. You say, I, you know, I can't believe that person was so patient with me as I was saying such silly things, such uninformed things, premature thoughts, didn't give time to develop, and they didn't make me feel dumb or out of place. They just sat there and said, I don't think it's like that. I'm not sure if it's like that, right? So they will be the people that pray for you. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe on the Day of Judgment, you'll be struggling, you'll be carrying on a lot of burden, and there'll be that one person that you showed mercy to, and they're going to say, oh Allah, just let them come with me. Just, they'll take you by the hand, let them come with me. And you're like, wow, that one person that I showed mercy to. Allah Ta'ala give us that, inshallah. Okay? 
Um, okay, here's some, here's some good points, and then we'll finish up, inshallah. Relief and freedom from discomfort includes not objecting them to the extra devotions. Okay, what does that mean? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scroll before everyone starts to keep reading, because I know everyone's going to start to... Not objecting somebody to the extra things, the extra devotion. This is talking about religious practice. Sometimes our standards of friendship revolve around, it's good to involve community, but sometimes it's like, if you don't do this, you can't be friends with us. Okay? You can't, you can't be with us, right? So for example, like we make plans with people that we go to pray at the masjid with. We're going to go pray Jummah. It's not a week. Ramadan's coming up. Allah give us Ramadan, inshallah. Ramadan's coming up, all right? And then you go pray Tzadah, we hit the masjid, and then after that, what do you do? Food. Very good. Yeah, exactly. We have one person that's not shy enough to... Food, man. You eat. You only have three hours. Guys, it hasn't been that long. It's only been 11 months, right? You already forgot the whole schedule. You go to Waffle House, right? The beacon of food in the South, okay? You go to... Don't ever say IHOP in front of me. You go to Waffle House. All right? Now, many of us will involve and include the people that we like, went to the mosque with, right? Went, prayed, went to a talk, we heard Sheikh Mikhail's lecture, alhamdulillah, and now we're like, let's go, let's make the move. How many of us leave gatherings like this, or like the mosque or whatever, and then we like call someone who wasn't there? It's like, hey, meet us up, right? And that person, maybe the, this isn't their vibe. Like, maybe like, this is not what they enjoy. They don't want to sit here and listen about religion for an hour. That's okay. Honestly, when I was younger, I didn't want to either. But there were always people that on their way out from the gatherings, on their way leaving the mosque, they would call and say, hey, what are you up to? Nothing, I'm just at home playing 2K, playing FIFA, watching this, watching single dudes talk about marriage on TikTok. <laughs> and you're like, why don't you, we're going to Dave's, or we're going to head out there, we're going to go get some food, we're going to get boba, meet us there. And the person's like, oh, I don't know, like, blah, blah. and they might not come. They might be like, you know what, no, I don't want it, it's too late. And that's okay. But at least for you, you know that you didn't make the standard of your friendship, this like extra merit, this extra status, right? We have to make sure that we're inclusive in our relationships, that we're not people that say, if you don't roll with us, you can't come with us. We want to increase the circle as much as possible, okay? Yeah, and then he says the secret to this, relief and lack of fuss is only complete when you consider yourself beneath your brothers and sisters, when you consider yourself beneath them. I learned this from a good friend of mine every time I went to his house, Allah. Every time I went to his house, you guys ever seen like the scene of a marriage proposal in a movie, in a Bollywood movie? It's usually like hour number six in the movie. Okay? You guys ever seen like how people serve each other when they're hosting guests? I have a friend of mine, we've been friends for over a decade, like, he still does this. And I come to his house, he's, he brings me, like, something to eat and something to drink, guys, on a wooden tray. It's not even like he shows up, he's like, here, here. It's like a wooden tray, he walks over, he's like, anything else? I'm like, sit down, man. You're going to eat this with me, right? It's like dolls and tortillas, dolls and tortillas, man. You're going to eat this with me? He's like, no, do you want anything else? 15 years, right? The only way you can do that, I'm talking, I'm talking about marriage. We actually met the year I got married. That's why it's interesting. The only re and by the way, this works in marriage too. I told you guys a story about that couple that was getting divorced in their 70s. 
Because the husband never said thank you? Yeah. What happens is when you start to take people for granted and you start to think of yourself as being above them or they need you more than you need them or whatever, you can't practice this stuff. It feels foreign to you. It feels weird. But when you genuinely look at your friend and you say, you know what? I really look up to you. I admire you. I, I, I'm, I'm a better person because of this friendship. And then all of a sudden now you start to find yourself able to serve them, able to take care of them. Okay? You think highly of them and a little bit poorly of yourself. Compare yourself to your friends and the traits that they have that you don't. If your friends are generous, maybe you use bad language and you have that one friend who doesn't. That one guy. Right? We all know that one guy, mashallah. Mashallah. Say mashallah, right? Okay, well, relax. Now everyone's celebrating, okay? <laughs> when you consider them better than yourself, you are actually better than they. When you finally achieve that station, then you reach that level. There's a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu that he says that whoever lowers themselves, right? That whoever lowers themselves before Allah, Allah will raise this person, okay? And then whoever raises themselves up, meaning that they boost up their ego, Allah Ta'ala will humiliate that person and He will make them lower in the eyes of people than anything because of how much they boasted themselves, how much they filled up their own ego and their own arrogance. Okay? So the key behind all of this, the key behind all every single thing that we've talked about is to be humble with the people that you are in this relationship with, that you are in this friends with. Okay? I just want to see if we can conclude this, inshallah. Oh, this story is long. Okay, we have Isha in five minutes. We'll wrap up. We'll finish our series next week, inshallah. And then we'll start the new hard work, inshallah, the week after. Okay? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us of our mistakes and shortcomings. We ask Allah ta'ala to make us good friends to each other. We ask Allah ta'ala to make us people that are so good with each other that we don't raise the formality in our relationships, but we are, we are soft with one another. We have genuineness. We have that openness and that sincerity with each other. We ask God Almighty to bless us with genuine relationships and friendships that free our heart from burden and anxiety. We ask Allah to make us people that when we walk in the room, people smile. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people that when we walk in the room, when people see our phone, our name on their phone, they don't become worried, but they become relieved. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us the cause of peace and tranquility in the lives of everybody who knows us. We ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to forgive us for any difficulty or any drama that we've put in the lives of people that know us. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people that leave this gathering renewed and able to renew others around us. Ameen, ameen, ya rabbil alameen. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, shadu wa la ilaha illa anthana, astaghfirullah wa tawilaik.